you can get paid to learn whatever you need to, whatever they want you to do. It keeps life interesting for me because I'm always learning. I'm always figuring out how to do something and I'm getting paid to do it. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Hey, Data Heroes, Avery Smith, the Data Career Podcast, with another banger episode that I'm super excited for you guys to listen to. But first, thank you so much for supporting the show by listening. That's because of your help, we actually became the number one data podcast on Spotify. You guys are absolutely incredible, leaving all those ratings and reviews, telling your friends, telling your moms to listen. I don't know who you guys have told, but thank you guys. Your support means the world to me. And hopefully you guys have been enjoying the content recently. I've been putting out some pretty cool episodes that I've really enjoyed. Um, I hope you've enjoyed them as well. And we have some great guests down the road as well and some solo episodes mixed in there. So stay tuned for future episodes. Also, thank you for all the DMs on Instagram and LinkedIn and the comments on YouTube as well, telling me you guys enjoy the show, especially what episodes. It's so fun to hear that you guys are actually enjoying it. And it's so cool to see like what episodes and what parts of the episodes really resonate with you guys. So keep those messages coming. And I'm really excited for this episode because I actually got to record this live. It was the first Data Career Podcast episode that we've ever done live in person. And I got to actually meet one of my friends and one of my students, Tim Beecher, who drove down two hours from Logan, Utah to record this episode. So everyone say it with me, big thank you, Tim. Thank you so much, Tim, for driving down and making this podcast more fun to do in person. Everyone give a shout out to Tim. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the in-person episode. And also, if you're watching on Spotify or on YouTube, you'll be able to enjoy the video. We do have in-person video. It's in a recording studio, which looks pretty cool, I think. So check out the video if you can. And I'm super excited because I think you guys are going to love Tim's story. I, Tim's like you guys. I think he'll resonate with a lot of you guys where he went to school for psychology. He didn't really like it, and he realized, crap, if I'm going to make any money in this, I'm going to have to get a master's degree. That's going to cost $30,000. And then I'm going to be making like $50,000. And he's like, okay, that's not for me. So he pivoted and he went to sales. And then he realized, ah, oh, crap, I hate cold calling people. And so he pivoted again into data analytics. And now he's really found the place where he can earn, he can work from home. He can do stuff he actually enjoys that challenges his brain and, you know, have an enjoyable career for a lifestyle. So I think a lot of you guys will resonate with Tim and his story. So Without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into this week's episode. All right, Tim, welcome on to the Data Career Podcast. Thanks. Excited to be here. Okay. I'm super excited to have you as well because for everyone listening, Tim went through my program, Data Analytics Accelerator, and he went from being a locksmith to working in kind of a, a sales role to landing a data analyst job. Not only a data analyst job, a data analyst job that has the word senior in it as well and really transforming his career and hopefully making his life for the better. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's been fantastic. Okay, let's actually talk about that. So your current role right now is a senior analytics associate. Correct. What do you do as a senior analytics associate? So essentially what I do, so I work for a marketing agency and their role is they work with different clients and they help them run their ads pretty much. And so my job is to make sure that they're running the right ads and they're not wasting money and they're targeting and getting to the right people that they want to. So right now, the current client that I'm working with my agency is LinkedIn, actually, the like B2B side instead of like the consumer side. So what I do is 
is I I take all their performance data. So how many people have like purchased the program, how many people are interested. And I take that on a week to week basis and I analyze it. So I see what's going right, what's going wrong, where do we need to move certain money or, or whatnot. And so that's my role. There's a lot of analytics because they want to make sure that they're not wasting their money on ads. They, they want to make sure it's their, they see an ROI. So that is essentially in a nutshell what I do. Okay. And did you have any analytic experience before this job? Prior to this? No, okay. I, I hardly had any. Did you have any marketing experience before this job? I had, I was in sales, like you said, but when it comes to like paid media marketing, no. Okay. But somehow you landed this job. Yeah, somehow. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today is the, is the how yeah, you did it. Yeah. We'll talk about you know how you got paid to learn mm-hmm. skills, how you used your network and opportunities around you to find your job, and then also how you were able to showcase your skills with a project Yeah. to actually get this job, this senior level job, right, yeah. that you maybe quote unquote, didn't have experience for. Obviously you did because you got the job, but yeah. maybe not from the beginning. So I wanted to start kind of going to the beginning now. You're going to school. By the way, if you guys couldn't tell, this is in person. We haven't done an in-person podcast before. So Tim's the first in-person podcast guest. And that's because you live in Utah. Yep. You went to Utah State, correct? Yep. Which is in Northern Utah. And what are you studying there? So I was studying psychology up there at Utah State. Okay. And were you enjoying that? I was. I was enjoying the things that I was learning, but I realized that I didn't want to be a psychologist. Well, first of all, you have to go to graduate school. Yeah. So there's that student debt aspect. Yeah. And a lot of it was just dealing with just just helping people overcome their like mental illnesses. And there was a lot of like therapy and there's a lot of research involved, which didn't really want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Going, learning what you psychologists actually do. I thought it was, oh, you just sit and have people sit in your chair and you interpret their dreams for them or whatnot. But no, <laughs> there's more to it than that. Okay. Okay. So you're doing the psychology thing. You, you realize, man, this maybe isn't for me. And what are you doing, I guess, after that? Or what are you doing for work? Yeah. So finishing out college, I wanted to, my first real job was as a well, full-time job. You could say it was as a locksmith. So what I would do is I'd go around to different houses and when people moved out or there were new tenants, I would change the locks on them. And so it was really cool. There were a lot of situations where I had to solve problems and that was an important skill that I developed and I had a good time doing it. And I did that for about a year and then I realized I didn't want to do blue collar work the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just didn't want to have to do that forever. But by the way, I'm guessing you did that year round right away. Oh, right? yeah. And yeah. you were in Logan, Utah? I was actually in Texas okay. at that time. I was going to say, if he yeah. was in Logan, Utah doing that year round, Logan gets so cold I in know. the winter. So, okay. You were in Texas. So, were you in San Antonio area? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So, that's, so you moved after. Yeah. So, so I moved during college. I could finish my degree online. So, move out there and finish up my degree online while I was working that job full time. Okay. And you realize, crap, locksmithing's not for me. So you had to find something else. Yeah. So I had to find something else. And so I got kind of the first jobs I could qualify for, which was in sales. So I worked with like a few different companies. I did field sales. And then I ended up at the Better Business Bureau, which is the BBB, where I would cold call people. I would cold call business owners and try to show the value and get them to sign up for like a year long accreditation membership. And so there were long days. I was expected to be on the phone making like a hundred calls a day. Wow. It was the one call close. So I had to call someone, 
who had heard of us before, but never had interaction with us and then expect them to give me their credit card information by the end of the call. So it was very difficult and uh, there was a lot of rejection. And I also realized I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. So that's where I found myself. And so one day I was talking to my brother who is a couple years younger than me. He's always been slightly smarter than me, but not too crazy. Uh, <laughs> Steve, if you're listening, you know. And he was telling me about his job that he got right out of school as a data analyst. And he was working for an insurance company and he was explaining to me what he does and the problems he solved. And it was fully remote for him. So he didn't have to go into an office and he was making good money. And I was like, wow, I want to do that. So I, that's how I found you as I was looking on LinkedIn for people who taught about or talked about it. And that's how I got introduced to you and your program. All right. So you basically are like, Hey, I actually don't want to be doing blue collar work because I mean, I guess if it's not cold, not cold in Texas, it's, it's hot, it's hot, <laughs> it's hot yeah. and humid. And so you're like, okay, I don't want to do that. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to just get whatever job I can kind of get, Yeah. which at the time was sales. And basically it was long hours on the phone. Yeah. You didn't enjoy doing it, right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which makes that. sense. So what was it about data analytics that really made it enticing for you? Was it the pay? Was it the flexibility? What was motivating you? I think it was a combination of those things. The pay was was really good. It was double than what I would be making on like a, a good sales week. The flexibility was great. You know, in sales, you were expected to always be selling. You always be on the phone. It was almost taboo for you to do anything else. Even if it was like talking with other people in the company yeah. to like try to figure out what was going on. No, it was, you need to be selling. And so that attracted me about the being a, into analytics because analytics affects everything throughout the company. And I've come to know now that what makes you a better analyst it, it isn't so much your technical skills, but it's your ability to find and understand problems that are going on within the company and use your skill set to then help address and solve. And so I liked I liked that that working within the business aspect, feeling that I could be someone that instead of having to get paid to perform like what you have to do in sales, I was getting paid for my knowledge and my expertise, which I could build over time. I didn't have to start over the next day. So, and that was something that, that was really enticing to me as in analytics, because it was also something that I could, it, it was growing in terms of the, the field. And it was something that I could learn on my own. I didn't have to go back to school and get like a master's in this and like, oh, I can do this on my own. So that was what really connected for me. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So it was like, okay, I'm going to get paid like double basically what I'm making now. Yep. I'm going to be able to actually not chill on the job, but in sales, it was kind of super cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. And not have someone breathing down my neck all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, which is awesome. And then also you're like, Hey, this is, these skills are going to serve me the rest of my life. And it's a low barrier to entry. I'm yeah. not having to pay like to just become a psychologist. It's right. like, $30,000 master's degree oh, just yeah. to like, just, just to start get, at the yeah, lowest Just to start door. at 50K a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, all right, sign me up. You found me on LinkedIn. At the time I was running the bootcamp called Data Career Jumpstart, yep. which is a little bit different than what I do now with the Data Analytics Accelerator, but very similar where it's all project-based. You're, yep. you're learning everything by building projects and your experience with all of data analytics was a... Very low. I took, I went to, I remember going... Well, in high school, I took AP Computer Science where I oh, learned Java. I didn't know that. 
but I totally bombed the test. <laughs> okay. Like they, they graded the, the test from like one to five, uh-huh. five being the best one being the worst. And I got a one okay. like that. Was, I just, I just, because, because you had to like write the code on the piece of paper there. You couldn't Google oh, anything. That's true. Yeah. And so that like totally turned me off from like doing any computer science in like college or anything like uh-huh. that. I went to an Excel like workshop for like the business school was doing one day and he was trying to, ex- I remember he was trying to explain like what a V lookup was mm-hmm. and I just couldn't, I couldn't grasp it at the time. I was like, this is so hard. I'm never going to do this. And so that kind of like turned me off at the time, Okay, but, but just, and then talking to my brother and seeing like the content that was out there on LinkedIn, what, it, what being a data analyst really is, it was like, oh, okay, I can do this. I don't have to, to be able to code an, an app. You know, yeah. I, I just have to be able to know my way around uh, a table and I can always Google something if I don't know, yep. you know? And so I was like, okay, I can do that. I can, I can figure that out. Okay. So it was like, it was the idea of one, being able to do Google, like being able to use Google to learn all this stuff and to do all this stuff. Yeah. But then also I think there was something you said there, like where data analytics is definitely technical, but it's not the most technical thing yeah. on planet Earth. Yeah. Like I said, you're not coding like a, a program, you're yeah. not, you're not coding a website, which, you know, back then I thought it was like the hardest thing to do, but now with all the tools out there, it's okay. Maybe it's not as bad. Which is a great thing about technology. No, you bring up a good point because I tell people it, when I'm trying to explain how difficult data analytics is, for instance, I say, if you can use PowerPoint, you can use Tableau. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. Tableau's drag and drop. Like, yep. of course you have to know some math and some stats and rows and columns, but I mean, it's not that technical, like Python, definitely more technical, but like the stuff and, and half the people, you know, already have Excel skills. And so it's oh, yeah. just about how do we apply your Excel skills towards data analytics? Can you learn Tableau, which is basically like PowerPoint essentially. Yeah. And then the hard, hardest one that, that we teach in the data analytics accelerator, at least at like a mastery level is SQL and SQL only really has like 20 like commands. Yeah. yeah. I say 13 all the yeah. time. People yeah. get mad at me, but yeah, uh, I'm giving 20 to be generous. I use 13. P- other people probably say it's 20. 20. Right. Yeah. But it's not, it's not that bad. And so it's like, I guess you kind of realize that like, Hey, even this sales locksmith psychology major one on the AP test, I can figure this out. Yeah. And you did. Yeah. And I did. So congrats. Yeah. Thanks. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Okay. Then you're looking on LinkedIn, you find me. What was it about the data career jumpstart that was interesting to you? I think it was the idea of building your portfolio and having projects everywhere else. When it comes to an interview, you just hope you have to interview well. And before that, you have to hope you get an interview. Yeah. There was nothing like concrete that you could bring and you could present to potential employers and being like, Hey, I can do what I say I can do. They just essentially have to trust your resume and trust the people who know you. And Coming out of college, I didn't have as much of that social capital because I was just coming out of college, sure. moving to a new state. Yeah. And so I was, I liked the idea of building something and showcasing my skills and having it all in one place. And I could reference it and show it to people like, Hey, I know how to do this. Here's where I did this. And I liked that aspect. It wasn't just like a whole oh, learn how to do this. Watch it, take a course, which is important. Good to know. But there was also the component doing it and having something you could present to people. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like how to ride a bike, it's like, how'd you learn how to ride a bike? It wasn't by just watching videos online. Right. You have to be doing some aspect. Yep. And not only do you have to be doing some aspect, because I could see like, for example, sometimes I think this is how the world approaches data training. I'm going to liken it into this is how they would teach bicycle riding. Yeah. They'd be like, okay, 
put your hand right here, put your hand right here, and then move your legs back yeah. and forth. Yeah. And it's like, that is doing, but it's not realistic. One of my favorite things is whenever we had people in the program who come from like data camp, they're like, where's like the interactive little like code browser thing, like where I get to type in my SQL code and it tells me if it's right or wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, that doesn't exist in real life. You have to download SQL. Mm -hmm. You have to upload files to, you know, things yeah. like that. And so it's like, we want to be doing the most realistic scenarios we possibly could be doing. So, and I also like that you said that like a lot of the times when you're applying for jobs, you're kind of just hoping that's mm -hmm. all you have, Yeah. but at least with a portfolio, you could hope with like the ground foundation yeah. of at least I have a portfolio. That's, mm -hmm. you know, at least I can be confident that I have these skills and I can show these skills versus just kind of like yeah. crossing your fingers. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Can we talk about one thing? So one of the things also that really stood out to me with your content and the way that you're positioning is your idea of getting paid to learn. Yeah. Will you explain kind of like your whole, like, where'd you come up with that? And where did that come from? <laughs> I don't Cause know. I'm really curious. I don't know where it came from actually, to be honest. No, I guess like I kind of do. So obviously I love data yeah. and I love data analytics, but I've also run a business now. And so yeah. I read a lot about data analytics. I read a lot about business. And I think the idea in anything in life, you can learn for free now. Yeah. You know, like, if you, for instance, if you lived in Boston or if you lived in, I don't know, in Palo Alto, like you could go attend Stanford's business lectures for yeah, free. For like free. you yeah. walk in the door, there's no one checking your ticket, right? Yeah. You can't take the test, but the knowledge is, is all yeah. free, right? And a lot of those things will even be online. So you can learn anything for free at this point. You could learn data analytics for free, 100%. The idea is where you pay. So that's one option. Yeah. Of course, you can pay to learn. You can get the accreditation at Stanford or whatever, right? Or you can get paid to learn. And that's the one that I always really like to do because it's like, you can learn for free and then you can just get paid to learn. That's kind of the, the point. And maybe you do pay at the beginning to learn, right? There's just those three different options you always have. And so the way I pitch it is like, hey, you could, you could pay $30,000, get a master's degree. You could just watch YouTube videos or you can get paid to learn. And the whole point is you get your foot in the door, you learn the bare minimum, and then you let your employer basic, pay you to basically learn. Yeah. And I think that's so awesome because for instance, that's one of the reasons I love Python, but I tell people not to, to learn it. That's one of the reasons I tell you is it's going to take you a year. And honestly, you could probably learn it on the job because yeah. your employer will probably be like, oh yeah, we should probably do this in Python sometime. Oh, you want to learn Python? You know, here, go take this course or we're paying for LinkedIn learning, you mm -hmm. know, or something like that. And so yeah. I, I think where I really like this really got cemented in my brain one time was I was doing, I had just quit my job and I was starting the consulting business and I got an offer to create a, it's a D3 web application. So it's in JavaScript. Yeah. I know what D3 was, but I'd never built anything in D3. Yeah. And so I ended up taking this job for a ridiculously low hourly rate. Yeah. But I had no idea how to do it. Right. And I, I just got paid to learn. Yeah. And so that's kind of paid doing it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's what I've kind of tried to help my students learn how to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it matches really up really nicely to the the skills projects network aspect part of it. And I see it as like a progression. Like it's okay to pay to learn things. Like it's okay to pay to go to school because another part of that is you get access. Yeah. It's important to pay for access, which is instrumental for me. It was. All. Yeah. So you pay to learn your skills and, and you're doing that and, and you're investing however much you see fit, whatever. But then you get to the point where you need to build projects and yeah. that's where you learn for free. You're going to learn things when you're building projects that you wouldn't in a course. Yeah. That's going to mean more 
in terms of like your employability. And so those two things are both, they're both good. They're both great. There's nothing wrong with either of those, but yeah, like you said, I think the best one is getting paid to learn. And I think that's where the networking comes in because no one's going to pay you to be like Edison in your room, trying to invent the light bulb. You need to talk to people, you know, contract, there's a saying contacts equals contracts. Yeah. 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 So you need to talk to people to get you to pay them so that you can learn and figure out how to do that and deliver something. And you need to have that base knowledge in terms of your skills and your projects. The best learning I think is comes when you're getting paid to do it because you have that accountability. There's the expectation and you're not worried about finding, figuring out how to put food on your table. Yeah. So you have that whole aspect is removed. You have to get creative sometimes to figure it out and you have to position yourself well. You have to sell yourself, sell your skills, and you, you have to network. You have to talk to people. You have to find people who are willing to pay you to figure out how, how to do something they don't want to do. Yeah. They could do it themselves, but they'd rather just have someone else do it because it saves them time, saves them, saves them money, and saves them attention. And so I think the way that you said that was really fascinating to me, and I, I think it, it's a great framework to do when you're looking for an analytics position like because of the way technology is like it's going to change like every two to three years exactly so like the skills that you learn are going to be obsolete (laughs) maybe sooner than you think yeah (laughs) the the actual the actual use of those skills but yeah the concept yeah but you're learning how to learn yeah and and you're learning how to figure things out yeah and so when you can get that concept down then you can get paid to learn whatever you need to, whatever they want you to do. And it, it's a really, it keeps like, it keeps like life interesting for me because I'm always learning. I'm always figuring out how to do something and I'm getting paid to do it. So that's a, it's a good place, yeah. good place to be. Yeah. Good place to be. Yeah. That's can, what you want. You can do that the rest of your life. Yeah. Cool. So you join at the time, the projects that we did then is a little bit different than we do now. And uh, like, for instance, we did a project on our screen time on our phones. Yep. And then we also did, and I've kind of brought this back sometimes, but we did a hackathon yeah. that we mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we'll come back to the hackathon. You're going through this program, you're mm-hmm. doing the projects, you're building the yep. portfolio, you're applying for jobs. Did you have much success in the beginning or what ultimately led you to your, where you're at today? So in the beginning, I wasn't getting as much, much traction as I'd hoped. And so for a minute there, I, I thought about pivoting to, to something else. But what um, kind of gave me the impetus is I saw other people that were in the program landing jobs. And it was kind of the, the wake up costume room like, oh, hey, this person did almost mm. the exact same thing that I did and they're, they're getting jobs. So it's possible. And so that was a good opener for me. And so I started reaching out to people who were in the program. When I would apply for jobs, I would reach out to the recruiters and try to connect that way. And so how I got my role that I have now was there was a couple people within the program that were employed at at the company Dentsu, where I work now. So I reached out to them and I connected with one of the hiring managers that was also, I think she was part of the program. No, she wasn't actually. She just loved the program. Yeah, she was, I just saw her post all the time. So I was like, okay. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I'm interested in this. And and she was really great. She set up uh, like an intro call and she went through my resume and went through my portfolio. And then she was, I think she was the one that ultimately gave me the referral for an opening they had. Yeah. And so it was really nice to to have that. Not saying that's like the only way you can ever get a job, but it worked for me and it was great. 
I want to talk about two things yeah. real quick that you just mentioned that I think are important, worth noting. Number one was the hiring manager was not part of the program. Okay. But she just loved, honestly, my posts and she loved the community that I was yeah. creating. And then she hired one of our students and that student did really well. Yeah. And she was like, all right, let's just hire more of these. So that's actually, we placed quite a few people within within Dentsu. And yeah, she was absolutely phenomenal to actually like help you guys with all of that. So I want to shout out her. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, Tim said, I started to look at other people and they were landing jobs. And we were basically, we were, you said this phrase, we were almost doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. like, I want to really emphasize that to the audience that there's going to be people who are landing jobs who evidently look like they're doing the same thing that you are. And they very well could be like, I'm never going to say that luck isn't part of the job market. Like landing a job is partially luck. That's yeah. out of your control hundred mm -hmm. percent. Mm -hmm. But what I think that that Tim did really well is he could have just been like, oh, that's lucky or I'm unlucky or I want to give up. But instead, Tim did something that maybe the other people were doing that he didn't see. And that's sending these like cold messages to yeah. the hiring managers and the mm -hmm. recruiters. And not only to them, right? But you're or just like random recruiters, but you were smart and you thought this through and you're like, you know, I don't have that big of a network. I studied psychology. I live in a completely different state than I, you know, grew up in, that I went to college in. My, you know, I don't have a community. But then you relied on, you know, Data Career Jumpstart's community to be like, wait, these people got jobs here. Maybe they have extra openings. I'm going to reach out to all these people. I think that was a really heads up move because it's like, that was one tiny little thing. Yeah. But it made all the difference in the end. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's crazy. So you're sending these cold messages. You get these, this interview, you get the referral. How was the, how was the interview process? The interview process was really smooth. I think I just had a call with a recruiter and then the next round was... I think like two or three interviews back to back with different people on the team. It wasn't a super intense technical interview. I've had some of those and they've been stressful to say the least, but this particular one, it was the conversation flowed really well and I ended up getting the job and it was great. But what, were any of the interviews technical or were they more behavioral? No. Well, and I think this is where the portfolio comes in is because all of them you know, when you're an interview, the object of, of the interview is to show that you can do what you say you can do and you can make a connection with the people on the team. And so when they would ask me about, you know, the, the roles or the responsibilities that this job was asking for, I could see, I could point directly to my portfolio and be like, here's an example of when I did this. And they, they just, they were like, oh, this is really cool. And I walked through one of the, the projects that I had done. And it was really, it was, and that was one of the, some of the advice that the people in the program who had given me is, is have your portfolio open. And if you can, as much as you can direct them to the portfolio and just walk <laughs> through one of the projects that you did. I think people t talk about this, like leading the interview. Yeah. And that's a, a tactic you could say in sales is controlling the conversation. And so having this portfolio, it was a, a way to help me as the interviewee kind of control yeah. the narrative. Yeah and show that I was competent, even though it, it's not like, it's never going to be a one-to-one -one comparison, Yeah. but the principle is there and the, and, and your pro you can show your process, yeah. which is really valuable. We'll come to the project here in a second, but that the project that you actually talked about was kind of close to what they were doing. We'll talk about this here in a second, but I do want to talk about the interviews because I, I haven't heard that phrase, lead the interview. That's probably what it's called. I've never known what it's called. I yeah. always call it flipping the interview on its head. Yeah. It's, but same similar concept. Yeah. It's the idea of, and I've done interviews when I worked at VaporSense, when I worked at ExxonMobil, I've done interviews when I run my own consulting firm. It's like, I show up to the interview five minutes before and I'm like, crap, 
what questions am I going to ask? Yeah. And I'm not unlike other people who are doing these interviews. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times they're not prepared and they're like, ah, oh, what are we going to ask? What, are, what type of things are we going to you know, say? Those types of things. And if you as the person, as the interviewee can just, Hey, here's a project. All of a sudden it's easier for me to realize, oh, what questions can I ask about this yeah. project? Mm -hmm. And it's way better for you because I'm not throwing curveballs at you. Yeah. I'm giving you kind of like a little softy down the middle and you're like, all right, I know exactly everything about this project. I did it myself. I'm going to just explain it back to you and you're not nervous because you've talked about the project before, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I love, I love that concept of, of bringing a project to the interview. Yeah. I've conducted interviews too. And, and you have like a set amount of time and there's certain questions you want to ask or variations thereof. And what it, I think what had happened was going through the project, it ended up answering the questions that they were trying to ask anyways. Yeah. And so it, it, it flowed better because you're, you're doing, you're helping them go through the questions that they need to do, but you're also doing it in a way that's comfortable for you instead of having, okay, answer the question. Let's be ready for the next one. Make sure it's not a curveball. Make sure it's not, you know, and, and, but instead you're, you're more comfortable and it's more of a conversation. So it was really great how yeah. that ended up. By the way, if you guys need interview help, I have a link in the description to get you some pretty cool interview practice. But going back to the project that you mentioned, because you're interviewing at this marketing company. Yep. And so ideally you'd have a project that appeals to marketing, right? Right. right. Yes or no, did you? I did. So I was applying for a marketing company and the project that was that I was referencing was the one that we had done for the hackathon, which I think it was a couple months after I had, had joined. Yeah, it probably was January-ish. Yeah, if I had to guess. somewhere in there. So I had done like I had done some projects before, so I I had that experience, and the hackathon was really cool because the way that it was set up was there was a, an intro call with the stakeholder. I guess backing up a little bit more the the idea. So it was he had a newsletter for chemical. I think it was chemical engineering. Yeah, and he was he wanted to see how he can get more subscribers, get more open rates, improve the efficiency of, of what he was doing. And so our job was to take the raw data that he had provided us and give him some insights, something actionable things that he could do. And so he was going, and I remember he had talked about in the intro call that you did with him, kind of what his goals were. And I, I think he had, he had talked about how he had modeled his newsletter after like the morning brew, mm -hmm. which is like, a really well-known email newsletter. And so going through the project, it was open-ended. So it was up to you, essentially. It wasn't like a do this, do this, do this. You had, had given some of your ideas, but ultimately it was on the people participating to come up with what they could present. So there's a couple different tools I used. I used the skills that I learned going through the projects, going through the course. And I think, I can't remember I think I got like third place or something. You did win an award. I can't yeah, remember the award. I, I, I got an award. First of all, a big confidence booster to see that. And I remember the people that had placed ahead of me, their, I feel like their presentation and their technical skill, I guess you could say, in doing it was better than mine. But I think the thing that stood out to me was that I had listened and I, I had understood the business. Yeah. So I, I had put on one of the slides what the, I think he was looking at open rates. I'd put like what I'd done a quick Google search of what's the morning brews open rate. Oh yeah. And I'd put that on there and as just like a comparison as a benchmark and be like, Hey, your open rate is this compared to this, you're doing really well. And I think he had, he had pointed that out. That was, that was like, no one else had, had put something on that. And that was just for me listening to 
what the stakeholder wanted and knowing that, hey, this could be useful to him. So even though I didn't have all the technical Python skills, R skills, whatever you may have, the fact that I had understood the business and presented it in a way that made sense, that went a long way. And that what my role is now, like the, the idea of a data analyst is not to make it as complicated as possible. It's to make something simple, to take complicated numbers and turn it into simple, hey, look at these couple of things, or hey, do these couple of things, and here's why. And just a really simple chart, graph, whatever, is more valuable than having a very complicated, time-consuming thing. So there's always a trade-off, but that was really cool for me to get that experience and it to matter. Yeah, I mean... Exactly. You were interviewing with a marketing company mm -hmm. and you had just finished a real marketing project yep. for a real, not marketing company, a real newsletter company, Yeah, which is one of the things we, we did is we brought in, you know, we brought in the columns, what it's called. Darius is the founder and he'd been running this newsletter and he didn't know anything about the analytics. So we said, yeah. okay, great. Let's have our students, you know, look at this data as a real life project. And we analyzed that data together. And yeah, I do remember you winning an award. I do remember also that there was teams and you were working solo. So that yep. was even more impressive that yep. like you, you won one of the awards without working in a team. But I love what you said that you, you weren't the most technical. Your presentation wasn't even the best, yeah. but like you were able to see certain business problems and impress the founder. One interesting thing about that project, which I haven't really talked about before is Darius actually hired someone really? part time from oh. that, from that adventure that we did together. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he probably, it was like a part-time contract, Yeah. but it was like this person's first data role yeah. and they like landed it from just doing it. it. Yeah. Just yeah. doing that one hackathon. So anyway, so you able to talk through this project where you're like, yeah, I looked at, you know, media, this email and looked at like different li link clicks and open rates and deliverability and stuff like that. And they liked that basically. Right. Yeah. And then they offered you a job. Yeah. Yeah, they liked my process. They liked that I was was able to take in a bunch of requirements and kind of find the signal from the noise and determine what's the most effective things that we can deliver at this point. Yeah. So basically, through Tim's skills that he learned from basically scratch, he was able to use his network, in this case, the Data Crew Jumpstart network, send cold messages, get an interview, and then impress the interviewer, the hiring managers with a project. Yep. This is a classic case of the SPN method, straight yeah. to a T. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's the SPN method. And and how has it been since? You like it? You enjoy it? Oh, yeah. It's been great. I've had it for a um, year and a half, almost two years coming up in March, and it's been it's been awesome. I've been able to, to learn a lot of things, get a lot of experience working from, from home still, which is awesome. And it's, it's really setting me up for future endeavors that I want to do. And as time goes along, I'll see where that, where that takes me, but I have that foundational skills and I have that foundational role that I can always point back to. Yeah. So you're making the most money you made probably yep. ever. Mm -hmm. You're able to keep learning on the job, get paid to learn, you know, the rest yeah. of the stuff, which is awesome. You're working from home, mm -hmm. which is absolutely awesome because that allowed you to move back yeah. to Utah where you're from originally yeah. and allows yeah. us to do this podcast, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. So a lot of positive things I feel like from this awesome job. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Okay, great. I'm so glad to hear that. That's so cool to hear. At this job, you're using, you're, like you said, you're looking at basically marketing data. You talked about LinkedIn as your client. Could you talk a little bit more about lifestyle and what your tools are at work? Yeah, this may be different than what people think you have to do in an entry-level data analyst role, but the main tool that I use is Excel. Mm -hmm. 
we're working with a client mm -hmm. and they have their own internal systems and they have their own internal engineers and employees that do all that. And we'll, what we do is we use their dashboards and we use their system. We download it onto our servers. And the easiest way to do that is just an Excel. And so we use Excel and we build PowerPoint decks for them all the time. And we take the visualizations that we do in Excel or, or like Google Data Studio, we put them in the decks. I've created several different files within just Excel that get the message across really well. And they've started implementing them across like the other different business units. And also that doesn't mean you shouldn't only learn Excel because what I do within my role is there's a, a team that is like the engineering team that uses a SQL and they design they're the ones that are the BI engineers and they're the ones that do the Tableau dashboards. And so our role is to take, since we're the front facing from the stakeholders and be like, Hey, they're saying this to us and we work with them to design a dashboard or, or whatever it is that best help addresses their problems and their issues. And because I know Tableau, I can go to them and be like, mm -hmm. Hey, I want this thing featured and I want this implemented here. How can we do that? And I've also been able to, to do that on my own and say, okay, this worked really well. This maybe not so well. This would be really cool. Can we do this? And because I have that background and because I have that knowledge, I can, even though I'm still primarily working within Excel from like a day-to-day -day perspective in terms of where the data is, because I, I know those other tools. And if there is other tools, I can figure out how to use them. And then I can take that knowledge and implement them across the other teams. And what that ends up doing is it, it makes me the go-to guy for, for different projects within different teams. And then it's built that career capital for me, even though I'm not necessarily in it, but I'm interfacing directly with those people. Yeah. And there's potential for you to go into those roles, to go into different roles, to stay where you're currently at. Like there's so many different options for you. Okay, sweet. That's so good to hear. I think what your story and I hope what the listeners will take away from this is like the idea of, you know, you can go from wherever you're at, you know, wherever yeah. you're at today, whether you're taking a hundred different, you're making a hundred different calls or you're fixing five different locks, you know, or you're driving a bus or you're doing Uber Eats or you're a teacher, like you can quit or you can decide you're going to quit in the future by starting today Yeah. by learning the right skills quickly, by building projects and using your network. You can go from where you're at to where Tim's at, just enjoying life. Yeah. Well, I think... Tim, it was super fun having you on. I hope, yeah, that listeners will take what you've said and your example and your story and apply it to them. And we're excited to hear what, what you as the audience do. So let us know. You can tag me and Tim on LinkedIn and we're excited to hear your guys' stories. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. How great was Tim, you guys? I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned how Tim went from psychology to locksmith to sales to now his new home in data analytics where he's able to support his family, he's able to do something he enjoys, and he's able to earn more money and enjoy life more. And if you want to follow the same path as Tim, I'm there to help you along the way. I have a bunch of resources in the show notes down below, some paid, some free. Check them out. They're absolutely free to look at and see, you know, how can I help you? There's a lot of freebies, a lot of roadmaps, a lot of ways I can help you on this journey. As always, hit subscribe, turn on the notifications if you haven't already, and I'll catch you guys in next week's episode.